I'm 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 a Fonte Fallout because my favorite, not the greatest, my favorite though, is still. Orange Juice Jones in the ring. Come on, <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, hey, baby, what's it up? It never needs, you talk about an artist that never needs to make another record? Bruh. That's it. He was the most pettiest nigga. <laughs> like, that nigga. Welcome to the B-Side. Isaac Jahan Arthur The music snow snow This is episode 37 of the Music Snobs podcast. My name is Arthur, your lead voice, and I am joined as always by my co-hosts Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. We are pleased to present part two of our conversation with our most recent guest snob, Fonte, uh, lead vocalist of the Foreign Exchange. Program note, you will hear us discuss Jodeci without mentioning their recently released The Past, The Present, The Future. Um, this was not an error. We sat down with Fonte prior to the album's release. Hope you enjoyed the show. Sex, Tim's, and R&B. The classic 90s vocal group Jodeci effortlessly blended gospel harmonies and innovative production with gangster rap swag. How critical... Whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't use the word swag on this show. We don't swag. We don't use swag. swag. I mean, it's in the script, <laughs> bro. I didn't write that. I didn't either. Swag, swag, swag. Uh, easy solution. One of you write the bloody script next time. <laughs> How critical to their trail, trailblazing success was their persona as singers with attitude? Ultra critical. Established them. Made them stand out. Now, Jodeci. Moving they, right along. They were, they were, I, they were, they made it safe. I think for me, you know. I mean, because me and Nick talk about this, this this stuff a lot. Jodeci made it safe, or it, it, I won't say if not safe. Jodeci made R&B for men. Like they made R&B that you could be a man and still enjoy. It. Acceptable. It was acceptable, and it was like it was nothing. I mean, it was nothing to be like in high school. You and your boys four deep in you know a fucking Hyundai Elantra or some shit. <laughs> or, you know what I mean and you know and Listen be to singing Jody. to Jodeci like it was no I mean mm-hmm. we would go hang out and you know you would see dudes in their car bumping Jodeci like that was what it was and it was understood that you know it wasn't no pause it was none of that shit you know it was just Jodeci it was very much in the same way that I think a lot of times our like our parents you know how Marvin and not comparing them to Marvin Gaye, but I'm just meaning just the aesthetic of like, you could listen to Marvin Gaye and it would still be a man, you know what I mean? Like, or you could listen more like to Teddy, Teddy Pendergrass. Very much. Teddy yeah, Teddy, yeah, Teddy, was, a, yeah, yeah. Know, Teddy was that man, right? Very exactly. much. Very much. I kind of agree and disagree. Are you guys talking about R&B in the sense of slow jams? Like it's acceptable to bump these type of stuff? Because let's be honest, Jodeci built their initial, you could basically say they built their career on mid-tempo slow jams. You know what Uh I'm saying? Either very slow or mid-tempo slow jams. Never known for their fast cuts. Never. So, and which was, which was to me, which was unusual, unusual for your first big hit to basically be a slow jam. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Forever My Lady. So, are we saying because in 88 it was perfectly acceptable to listen to New Edition? You know what I'm saying? Perfectly acceptable yeah, as but, a man. But, but, but I, I think so what Fonte is getting and, on. And no, Bobby no. Brown. So hold right. on. Are we saying that they they expressed a, a level of, I don't know, sensuality or poetry or whatever, sensitivity that was 
guised in this hip hop persona, so it made it more digestible for us. Or what are we saying? Somewhat. I think in, in, in Arthur's lead, he mentioned the word Tim's, and I think that's where the crust of all this is: is that the fact of their presentation and who they presented themselves as, they came off in a way that dudes, yeah. especially young black men, could directly identify they were with. The, they, right? were, they were the run DMC of R&B. Basically. So, so there, there's an identity connection there that doesn't exist with most R&B because partially of Puffy. There Puff, we go. But Puff is the one who basically said, look, I'm going to take Built this. Built the image. Dudes right. are going to be able to identify with Jodeci. They're going to be singing Which the exact genius. same things. Mm-hmm. Which right. was genius. So what I think Fonte is saying is that there was a connection where, yes, we would listen to Bobby Brown. Yes, we would uh, listen to New Edition. But we became a part of Jodeci. Yeah. It wasn't just singing it. We was feeling that shit. Because I mean, it was guys listening in to New it. Edition, we would they sing. were, you know, they were right, suits we and right. we were trying to no be wild and stuff for, like that. You know, but we're not. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, no, I, I agree with you. But here's my here's here's the thing, and this is because I you know I love Josie. That was you know that was '91. That was like you know prime years. You know what I'm saying? It was like that was that was uh, last year of high school, first year of college. Pre, the pre-wash there, the pre-wash there. Right. <laughs> hey, like, so it's like no shade on Josie at all. But one thing, if we let, bring up new edition, look at the uh, if it isn't love video. Oh yeah, this. in 19 was it 1988, 1989. Then go to Forever My Lady video and you see the dichotomy of these two videos. As much as I love Jodeci, they fucked something up for me. And that was dance. They took dance out of R&B. Yeah, but that's directly related to age and fashion. Like by the time that high school rolled around for me, suits weren't cool anymore. We wanted to wear Tim's and baggy jeans, baseball caps. Right. You can't dance in Tim's like that. You know what I'm saying? You but need the what, loafers. But you can't what, dance in Tim's like that. But, you can't do those moves. But that's what dudes were trying to, that's what, that's our point. Dudes weren't trying to dance. And that's to me, that's that became a problem because, because in hip hop, we used to dance. Look at Big Daddy Kane. I get that. So suddenly in the mid to late 90s, no hip hop artists dance. Yeah, I don't really think they took dance out of R and B. Dancing was bad. You look like a punk if you dancing. That's the point. That's the point. When that's the, I, the problem. But no, nobody's. We well, saying we nobody's saying it's not a problem. We're just saying you're asking the question what the difference is, and I'm trying to explain to you that is the difference is that dudes connected. Okay, yeah, I, and that's what that's I, right, agree right, 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 I agree right, with right, you. I agree with you. But I see there's a problem that happened because of oh, that. Oh, that's different. That's a different. And conversation. that became and that became the definition of okay. Well, masculinity became you can't dance. Now we all know we go to the club. What are we gonna do? We gonna dance. But for some reason, you watching these videos and it became like okay, the new R and B artist does not dance. But they and really didn't come back until Usher, right? But it, but it allowed dudes to sit up there and roll up in the parking lot of McDonald's and just chill and listen, <laughs> exactly. to, you know, listen to something besides hip hop. Exactly. Yeah, so I the mean, dancing got replaced me, dancing, by parking lot pimping. It's really not just dancing; it's what you're really talking about is choreography. Right. And the choreography right, was taken choreog- out because yeah. Jodeci danced. But they, they, stood didn't, on they didn't do like and steps and choreography. Yeah, that ain't dancing. Yeah, it was yeah. swaying. It was sufficient. <laughs> I mean, it was they sufficient swayed. for what it, what it was that they were on. <laughs> right, right. You know exactly. what I'm saying? They swayed in a minimally landscaped garden <laughs> <laughs> with a swimming pool. Right, right, right. <laughs> in their mom's backyard. Yep. I was just saying, I don't think that it killed dancing. I think, you know, you made a very good point. It was choreography. And I don't think that Jodeci killed that. I just think that's just something that just kind of evolved the, the game just kind of evolved out of that you know what i mean like kind of like with you know with rappers having background dancers you know it, mm-hmm. it, it just mm-hmm. you know i don't think it was on some shit where it was just like everybody just stood up one day and was like we're not dancing anymore it's just you know the game just kind of evolved you know what i mean it's like okay like we're not doing out. that no more we're doing this now and jodeci particularly i mean with all their songs being you know slow jams um like you mentioned you know I mean, it's not like they was going to be up there like the fucking Temptations doing the fucking slow shit, you know? So it worked for me. To me, they were just the band that when it came to just being, they were they were one of the last band, last groups I can think of that really made R&B that men appreciated. I think R&B in a lot of ways for men now is a genre that we just kind of tolerate. You know what I'm saying? It's like... All right, my girl like that point. shit, so let me listen to this shit. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? And I think we need to be specific. I mean, to uh, bleed on, on Fonte, but it was young men. Very much so. There was an audience there that, once again, Puffy was responsible, tapping into. Uh, you didn't have cats really in their 40s checking for Jodeci. Mm-hmm. They were checking for New Edition. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They were checking for... Well, I, and I appreciate that because... Right. But this 
was a little bit different. And it resonated and, with women because they look like their boyfriends. Like, I literally. Exactly. And, and, as, and to go with your other point, I appreciate that because in junior high school, I identified with New Edition. By the time I got to college, I identified with Jodeci because that's how we all mm-hmm. dressed. Exactly. And that was, that, was, that was a very a powerful connection. Right. I would kind of like to see what, was there a London, you know, what was Jodeci? Did they hit in 91 or, or was it a while? Oh man, they were huge. Okay. I mean, they played Wembley Arena without a domestic release. Wow. So, you know, if you wanted to if you wanted to buy that album, you had to pay as an import. Yeah, like 17 pounds, which yeah. is equivalent at, at that yeah. point, equivalent of like $35. Wow. So, wow. Uh, yeah, and and you know, no crossover audience at all, wow. you know, just mm-hmm. our demographic. Wow. Was it was the connection there the same though? I mean, not just the arenas, but did they did you all have the same connection to the Definitely. same Definitely. Definitely. In addition to the fashion and the style that you guys have mentioned and the relatability of the artist, their music was much more intricate, I think, than it gets credit for. And we felt that. Certainly, mm-hmm. you know, my my crew, we we really felt that. Whether it was the synth solos or the harmonies mm. or the kind of very defining bridge that a lot of the songs yeah. had or yeah. the drums, particularly later on with Diver and Mad Band, it was very, very... Very intelligently put together, very uh-huh. intricate. And Devante Swing was yeah, a powerhouse, I think, at that time. Uh, and later on, Dalvin, you know, who doesn't, he's not often mentioned, but Dalvin's uh-huh. production skill, particularly with Dive and Mad Band, was, uh, was pretty intricate. Uh, and, and then Live was just another story. You know, they were, to me, their live band was better than Guy. It was better than wow. uh, Blackstreet. Wow. And uh, I still remember seeing them for the first time at Wembley. And they started their show with the dog pounds come up to my room. Wow, wow. There was a really thin tracing paper backdrop to the stage and you could see their silhouettes. And then as the song progressed, each member tore through the tracing paper and just really made an impactful uh, start on the stage. And for, for a sort of boy band to start with this death row, so-called gangster rap tune, um, <laughs> I don't know, it was, it was, it was dope. Was in the hotel lobby. You were looking damn good. I was ready never have the party. I told you to come with me. I wanted you to free with me. Keep a mission for your mama. I don't need no drama. So definitely by that time, by the sort of second and third album, uh, their music really embraced a hip hop aesthetic. It actually helped to create a new hip-hop aesthetic in some ways but you can go all the way back to the first album to the come and talk to me remix with the epmd you're a customer beat the come and talk to me remix you cannot underestimate how huge that was and when it dropped at the time it dropped that that song was on radio for like almost two years that song's strong you know what i'm saying and at, at i was at ohio state at the time i remember every party Every yeah. party included that. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was ubiquitous. So that song, even as much as the Thames and the the backwards uh, Chicago uh, uh, White Sox hats and the, and the Lokes as we called them back mm. then. The Lokes, son. The Lokes. Lokes. Right. <laughs> you, you know, there was that that remix. You know, over that beat was just yeah, and not just that one song. I mean, their overall musical sensibility was greater than a lot of people gave them credit for at first impression their whole catalog for those first you know three albums was was pretty great what casey and jojo vocally were able to unbelievable. do right. unbelievable and then you the get Devante, brothers, right the fact that right, they're right, brothers, right 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 and then you add Devante's production and composition to the mix yep Devante, in his own little way was like a poor man's prince mm-hmm. and, and what i'll he be did sure musically. Yeah. Be but sure. okay yeah. but let me okay so, but let me okay let me take this one we'll step further let's go back condition. to this let's take another terminator scenario right let's say that uh jodeci does all right let's say jodeci let's say uh jimmy jim and tory lewis do become in-house producers at paisley park right mm. and let's say jodeci goes to paisley park and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis opens that door, okay? Mm-hmm. And let's say that Jodeci does come to Paisley Park under Jam and Lewis or whatever. If that happens, do we get Timbaland? No. 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 You feel me? No, no, yes, you know what? Yes, we do. Yes, you know what? That's a good question. 
I think if I think about it, maybe yes. But go ahead, Arthur. I don't think. Okay, Devante, Devante's, Devante's lead lines owe a lot of credit to Teddy Riley. That's what I was Very about to say. But so. then, Devante's lead lines change. But here's the deal. He's they not, sound but, like Jimmy. I know, but here's the deal. Devante and them were uptown, and that's where Teddy was. So if they go to Jam and Lewis, there may not be, even if there's a Virginia connection, there may not be that direct link with Devante and Teddy because he's not at uptown. He's at Paisley Park now. And then you throw Raphael Sadiq in the mix. Man, that's oh, a what right, for the yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> yeah, but according to the Swing Mob Collective, so, you know, Timberland, Missy, Genuine Player, etc., you know, they felt that Devante kept his foot on their neck. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. whether Timberland busted out of Devante's dungeon in North Carolina or <laughs> right. busted out of Prince's vault in Minneapolis, you know, mm-hmm. Timberland would have had to have... I, you know, he would have had to have escaped somehow. But that, of course, assumes that Devante's tutelage of these artists wasn't integral. I, you know, I believe it was. I believe that his presence and his guidance was probably critical in developing them as artists. Yeah, because didn't Devante brought Missy and Missy brought Tim, right? And then Aaliyah, Genuine, Player, B. Rizal, Smokey, Diggler. Yeah, yeah so, but, but I mean, all of it, he, Tim, Tim is based in bring, Virginia, though. But I'm saying instead of bringing him to New York or reaching back from New York, he reaches back from Minnesota. You see what I'm saying? So it's like he kept that those roots. He kept that connection with Missy because what was the group, Jay, uh, that she was in, in the first group? Sister. Sister, yeah. Sister. So it's like that was the jump off, and then mm-hmm. she brings in Tim. So I think it still happens. I mean, man, hey, man, anytime you bring in Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, to me, the scenario just gets better. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, you know what I'm saying? In any what if we want to throw out there, I feel like it's just going to get better. The, the perfect scenario would be, hey, Jimmy Jam say, you know what? We'll let Al B and uh, uh, the other cat, well, Kyle West, Kyle you know, West, yeah. oversee those, those, that first, those slow jams. We're going to do those, these fast jams. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Me and Terry going to take care of you on the fast. Then you got classic out al- because let's be honest, Forever My Lady is not a is, is a classic album because of five songs. No, nah, all you know day. What I'm saying as, as is as is as is Diary of a Man Legendary. Band. I mean, shit. No, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They were they were right. tight at the time, but but um, when you're under the tutelage of a master, your development can go in two different directions. If that master finds something in you, sees something in you that you didn't know was there, and brings that out, but it's still you, that can be one thing. Or you can develop under the master in their shadow, basically like a clone of the master, a fantastic clone, but nonetheless, not your own person, not who you would have been had you not had that guidance, you know, for better or for worse. Depends on the master. So with Devante, let's not forget, he was so talented and so creative, he created his own sound. Hit me. He revolutionized R&B at that time, particularly with Mad Band, you know, the guitars, the kind of moodiness, the mm-hmm. like we said, the hip hop aesthetic, the slightly backwards snare, the vocoder that he brought back. It was it was very, very different to everything else that was round at that time. But then everything after that seemed to flow with that aesthetic. I mean, I remember H Town's Big Enough After Dark album. Right. That's basically <laughs> Dire of Mad Band outtakes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, Casey and JoJo definitely were I mean, not even just JoJo. Casey's voice was a defining feature of Jodeci. But I think the determinative feature, the defining feature of Jodeci was Devante's composition and production skill. It was Devante's genius. Is he a genius? Absolutely. 100% to me. 100%. Yeah, I give it to him. Yeah, I, I, I think to, so. Yeah, I got to give I think it to so. Him. I give him credit. More so than most other people, more so than anyone else in R&B at that time. And, you know, I talk about master and tutelage, etc. Dalvin, you know, under his brother, Devante, Dalvin came up with a unique sound. Dalvin's really underrated. Dalvin, Dalvin, he just fucked up because he put out, he put out that the Metamorphic album. Uh, the, 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 right. Yeah, the Metamorphic was that, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, that might have been more Cocoon than Butterfly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not metamorphized by that shit at all. That shit won't, won't hit me. <laughs> But um, but nah, but he was a dope producer. I mean, he had his moments, and particularly like when him and Static got together. I mean, that fucking True yeah, OG yeah, shit yeah, was dope, yeah. and the Get Mine Jam he had on, I think, Players Club soundtrack or whatever. All the remixes he did, Get On Up, mm-hmm. Brand, Brand New, new. Yep. Feenin, 
the rainy days one with Raekwon. Yeah, that Dalvin was underrated. He he definitely you know deserved more shine. But you know what's funny? Dalvin was actually a better up tempo track producer than Devante was. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He did I mean, the two. On, was it on Diary Mad Band and what was it, uh, the, the after show? Whatever. I think the two standout fast tracks on both of those albums were his. Yeah, he yeah, did. You know, he, he did, he did get sweaty. on up. Dalvin did get on up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's sick. But you know what? Hey, not to completely keep turning this back into a what if, but if they did go to Minnesota, one thing Devontae probably benefits from, he gets a Midwestern work ethic. He did not have that work ethic, you know, in uh in, in New York City. He, I think he he uh, he fell into that lifestyle. He did not have the work ethic of a Jimmy Jam or a Terry Lewis. Um, and then that's showing out because after what they what they put out three albums three three albums I think that might have been more of an age thing Isaac the drug thing too I was about to say yeah I think him I don't think it was so much of a work ethic I think it was very it's much dr- a uh, cocaine yeah it's just drug. just yeah it's just internal drug. issues like he was just really yeah. I mean homeboy had his demons he was balanced you know mm-hmm. just being the preacher's kid and all that shit so Shug Knight being one of those demons. Shout a hey, shout out to the article uh, in the I think it was the Rosie Perez issue of Vibe. Was that the same issue with a big huge story on Jodeci? Oh, it was. I think Scott Poulsen Bryant wrote that excellent, excellent article. Story. That's the one where they detail for the first time their drive to Minneapolis. Scott or Joan Moore, I can't remember. I think one of them wrote that. I remember that. I think it was the Rosie issue. Yeah. Over the years, Vibe did two main features on them. The one that dropped to promote the show, the after party, the hotel. Uh, I think that's the one they had the cover where their heads were at right angles to each other. In there. Devante says, shy, UNV, portrait, whatever. There's only two powers, boys to men, men and Josie. And, and that was the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the fucking truth. <laughs> a quick, quick question to all you guys, though, just to take it back to the original topic. If Jodeci shows up that first video in suit and tie, are, you know, do they, do, they, do they impact the way they did? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Does Forever My Lady not sell? Because was Forever no, My Lady sells. the first single? Or was that the second? No, the second. That was the second. The it first was the single was singles. the dance. Was yeah, the, yeah, the first, first single was Gotta Love. Yeah, and, it, and it flopped. And had mm-hmm. they and just released the bridge as a single, it might have been different. <laughs> <laughs> but they had to fuck around and make it a whole song. And it a 30 was, second single. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if they show up in a suit and tie, though, it, it, uh, it doesn't jump off. I think, it, I think there's still a jump off, but I don't think it's the same thing. I don't, I don't think it resonates past just being great music. You know, I think the imagery, you know, really locked into yeah. giving them a, a wider audience. I agree 100%. I agree and I disagree. I think they still would have had hits. The tunes were more than good enough. They may not have cemented themselves in the psyche of R&B and been as influential to other groups without that image, but I think they still would have had hits. You know, boys to men, they wore blazers, bow ties, short pants. Yeah. Maybe Jodeci could have done it more mafia style than boys to men's prep school kind of vibe, but... I think it still could have worked, but it may have worked for a slightly different demographic. Okay. But in any case, the tunes were the tunes and the quality of Devante's skill was, was so high that... Right, but but I mean, Boys to Men, you know, Michael Bibbins' image sensibility is not going to compare at all to Puffy's sensibility. But I, I, I think that Boys to Men benefited as a counter... Yeah, a counterpoint. ...to Jodeci's image, particularly when Babyface got behind right. it. Right. Like good and evil almost. Bad Boy Entertainment... Good boy entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> right. And let, let's not be stupid. Puffy was going to find somebody. Maybe not this. Yeah. But if he didn't give, if he wasn't giving Jodeci, if he's still at Uptown, he's going to find and be given some group that he's going to make to be comparable to this. So then now now you're going to have Jodeci in their suit and ties and their gangster look fighting against something Puffy is creating at the same time. And just the devil's advocate, we say, and, and you know, I'm not trying to knock Devontae at all, but those first five songs are their biggest songs. Yeah. And those were co-produced or ex- by Al B, right? Right. All five of them. Yeah. So how much, you know, Devontae goes on from there. Of course, to Jay's point, Diary of Mad no, Band, no, incredibly no, no. great stuff on right. there. But those first five songs are, you know, so you take those first five, that's like taking Illmatic out of their catalog. How, how much do we know? How much did Al B have to do with that? Well, all you got to do is match Al B Shaw's catalog up against Devante's. Exactly. Yeah. No, but, I, I but think... I'm saying maybe him and maybe him and Devante together form something that neither one of them can do apart. Yeah, but bro, ah. to say that Al B Shaw was instrumental is to massively undersell Cry for, for You. My heart, my well, not heart, heart belongs, belongs to you. My heart you. belongs to you. Freaking God you. Damn, Love you yeah, for life. Free, yeah. Love you for life. Love you for life. No, I'm not, I'm not massively underselling them. I'm just saying that those songs to me 
sound first of all they sounded like they could have been on forever my lady there wasn't a great evolution from from forever my lady to those particular songs okay you've gone insane but none of them none of them compared to those you know those first five songs boom 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 it was just like getting knocked out you know what i'm saying as a listener it's like combination after combination after combination so i'm just just again to play devil's advocate maybe him and I'll be form something there that they neither one of them I could do a part I, I would agree with you there I would agree that maybe they had something put together but the thing is I would say whenever you have those kind of discussions I always say look at what the person did after that you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so for me mm-hmm. it's like when people would talk about like the chronic and people would talk about Daz and say oh man Daz really did so much of the chronic <laughs> and he was really the dude behind the chronic and Dre was just it's like okay well what did Daz do post chronic? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To even mm-hmm. show me that a flash of that brilliant. You know what I mean? There's a greater argument for Daz than there is for Albie Shaw. Don't sleep on sexy verses though. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> don't, no sleep doubt. On, don't sleep on sexy verses. <laughs> yo, oh yo, sexy ver- yo, I fuck with sexy verses. But sexy verses, but sexy yeah. but sexy verses. Hold, say, up, I mean, hold up now. But sexy verses. <laughs> So okay, all right. Let's bring it full circle. Sexy verses was pretty much forever, my lady, because it won't but go. five jams on that shit, neither. Right, <laughs> it was the first time. Like, and, at, and I was, was like thinking, it, like, nigga. okay, I'll be, I'll be. We've got Albie's in effect mode. Um, 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 to the nines. What was the name? Private of the times album? and the whole nine. That Private had that long ass title. Private times and the whole nine. And then you got. Then you got uh, f- against the Forever My Lady, Diary of Mad Band, and the party at the hotel, the show after the show, and all that. The hotel. They 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 line up. I mean, it's it's not like Jodeci's killing Al no, B. No, no. I mean, Jodeci. Uh, I think Jodeci. Devante's production catalog alone. I mean, look, the best track on Sexy Verses, "Thanks for a Good Time Last Night," is produced by who? Devante. You think that's you would say and that's Al the B. best track? You think that's the best one? <laughs> easily. And nah, I'll be. <laughs> I got. I got to say, my I have best to go back one, and listen because I don't know. For if that's me, the best my track. best track on "Sexy Verses," I have to give it to. I either shit either right now or Natalie. Like either one, Natalie. Like because <laughs> yo, it's like I know you free tonight. The only, thing, <laughs> <laughs> only thing that fucked up "Sexy Verses" was the fucking the interludes. Like his talking. He was like, <laughs> and I came like for the longest time. Like I was like, it was this girl I was messing with, and like the longest time, like my our joke was. I came to watch you take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that shit just right, like yeah, he was he did the whole thing coming into the house, the whole, you know, all the sound effects. Yo, so but like, you know what chill, though? Yo, it, like, this is I mean, this is this is gonna go so fucking left, but fuck it. It's, we gotta do it. Look, I I think that Al be sure has given us in his music a, a hint of his sexual like kind of kink. Right, I think he's, <laughs> like no, dude. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, look on sexy verses. Right, he he's he has the fucking interlude where he's like, I came to watch you take a bath. Like like he's like creeping in, like kind of watching. It. <laughs> right. And then you hear the and then in there. look look, I'm serious, yo. And then on the new album, the last album he put out, the one that came out like in '09, I want to say, um, the last his most recent album. Okay, if you turn on the back cover of that album. There's a picture of a girl laying on the couch and him creeping through the fucking door. Like, <laughs> like, like, like he's like creeping up. And I'm like, I'm looking at this shit in 2009, like, yo, this nigga's still watching to take a bath. <laughs> That's what he wants to do. So I think Al B, I think his thing, like, he like to creep up on bitches. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm the creep up on the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yo, I I, I connect wow. the dots, G. Like, first you wow. watch her take a bath. <laughs> now she's laying on the couch watching Netflix. You creeping in and shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Al B, he's, the, he's the, just to creep up on your ass, nigga. Like, I'm gonna I'm just run up on some bitches. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> Al B might be the realest nigga in RB on the low. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to wrap this up. Jodeci was on uh, most recent Soul Train Awards as their, you know, their return. How'd they do? They look great. They dressed well. They look clean, but they lip synced. Really? Mm. I didn't see it. I just saw people's reactions on Twitter. I didn't see the actual joint. Was that a? Sh- but but that might have been that might have been out of their control. Was that a show situation or was that by their choice? I mean, I don't know. It could be that the production company 
didn't trust that they could still do it. It could be that they just hadn't had time to rehearse. I, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. You know what? Studio can clean all that up. Studio can clean but all how, that but up. But how much of a shame would that be? Because, I mean, those voices, Casey yeah. and JoJo, I mean, how much of a shame with all those years would it be with you know if alcohol and drugs because like like you said famously like Ron Isley told you I remember you called me after you mm -hmm. talked to him years yep. and years ago he talked about how you have to take care of your voice mm -hmm. and that's yep. why he still sounds so yep. good look at everything they've been doing you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying how tragic would it be if that robbed them because those and like I said them two are brothers and they are the perfect counterpoints for each other yeah. perfect mm -hmm. it's amazing it's right, amazing right. But I think, you know, we, we'd have to hear how bad, you know, their treatment of their bodies have had the effect on their voices. But once again, as as we all know, there's some things you can't fake, but if a foundation is there, then studio, especially with the right engineer, mm -hmm. you can get to the point where, you know, you may not travel and perform live, but at least you could put out some product that still has us believing. Because you, you got still that got, time and you've got that. You got the time. To no, I'm not so sure. I mean... The benchmark already exists. The audience knows what their voices sound like. They know what Casey sounds like, or what he's supposed to sound like. If he doesn't sound like that, it's, it's very hard to replicate an exact tone or an exact timber in the studio. If he doesn't have that anymore, he doesn't have that anymore. There's a huge amount of work that would have to go into that. And in a live situation, it would be, I, I don't think you could do it. But, but that's, yeah, that's so hard. I mean, I, I ain't gonna lie, man. I mean, it's to a point where because I mean because I've talked with engineers about this and I mean when I started uh, engineering my own stuff at you know at home in, in 2009 and like record my own shit you kind of get to that point to where it's like you have to you know kind of draw that line of demarcation to where you have to ask yourself is it easier to fix this or is it easier to mm -hmm. just sing it over you know what I mean or just do it over mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. seen so many sessions. I mean, I've had engineers name, you know, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but they've just told me, like, it's just some singers. They like, dude, I don't care how much money it is. It's just no way in hell because it's so much work, you know. So mm -hmm. when you're working with someone, I mean, yeah, can you hide stuff in the studio? Yeah, you can fix it. You can do whatever. But that shit is so much harder. It's like, you know, the saying, if you think, Hiring a professional is expensive. Try hiring an amateur. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's so like if you if you just ain't got it vocally. Yeah, but I'm right. But I'm saying, but their but their but their foundation is so strong. Unless they totally lost it. That's what I'm saying. Well, the last thing, I mean, they would have the to, last recorded thing I heard from them Paulie was out. that record they put out in like oh God, I guess this was what like oh nine. They put out the record with H Town, the Knocking Your Heels. I don't know. Oh God. They put out a record. Yeah, that, that nigga Isaac is disgusted. That nigga just look, that, that nigga Isaac just has a look of total disdain on his motherfucker. Yeah, nigga, they put out a jam with the surviving members of H Town, um, called "Knocking Your Heels." Cause you know, first we was knocking the boots first, but we done grown up now. Oh, God. So now we we knocking oh, we knocking God. these hoes heels off. So that's a bad idea from jump. Yeah, but it was. But I mean, I will like production wise, it was very early '90s. It was in that vein. But both uh, JoJo and Casey, I mean, they were using auto-tune. And so it's just kind of right. like, you know. Well, on the Soul Train Awards performance, the band was at least live. But as it stands, ultimately, the only people who were singing live in that room were Tank and Tyrese in the audience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know, on that point, it was really beautiful, particularly for a Jodeci diehard like me. It was really beautiful to see Tank and Tyrese and DeBrat and everybody else in the audience just singing along and really on their feet. And, and, and loving it. It was heartwarming. But did you guys, you know, as we tape this, the album's about to drop in a week, but do you guys hear that latest single? Nah, I missed that one. I heard about it. I yeah, didn't hear like, it though. Well, I mean, firstly, it's got B.O.B. or is more of a B.O.B. track than a Jodeci track because B.O.B.'s all over and they just do the hook. But Oh, wow. Okay. You know, it's okay. It's not bad. It's it's not bad. It's, it's like an anti-domestic violence kind of message. Holy shit. What the fuck? Yo, it's just too many things I'm hearing. And B.O.B., anti-domestic violence, <laughs> Jodeci 2015. It's actually called yeah. Nobody Wins. And I think that is such an eponymous title. <laughs> nobody truly wins in this one. Jahan, let me ask you, can I ask you a question real quick? At this point, do you think they should put out something new? Well, I think that Devante is just such a massive talent. That was interrupted i don't think it was concluded back in the 90s you know i oh, wow. i don't think that their hiatus came during a downslide 
the show The After Party The Hotel, still a very strong album production-wise, if not compositionally. So I think that and then everything that they were doing with The Basement Crew and Timberland, a B. Rizal track on Above the Rim, you know, everything was headed towards like a really innovative and new phase for them. I think I think it was interrupted and I still so I think they still got that in the tank at least Devante and Dalvin I would say have something in the tank stuff that they just never realized at that time so I think they can do it definitely okay you know what I, I love you know and, and you're a lawyer and I love your answer but you still never answered them should <laughs> should they you still never said whether they should or shouldn't all right well look based on the fact that I used to call myself Jahante Swing in high school <laughs> Yes, they should do it. Right, right, right. <laughs> personally, I think they personally I think they have a lot more to lose by putting out something new than they have to gain, quite honestly. Um So you're saying you don't think they should? I, I Okay, let me clarify. No, no I wants would to like commit. for them to <laughs> no, 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 Based on everything that I've seen leading up to it and based on the, the music and just the voices, I can't co-sign it. I would I would probably say not to do it just because they have so much more to lose than they got the game from it. If they were still in good voice, I mean, if we were talking about Ron Isley, then yeah. I mean, shit, Ron Isley put out an album tomorrow and going to sound just like right. he sounded in fucking 72. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. But, you know, knowing kind of Casey and Jojo's struggles and you know the battles with addiction and just you know what they've done to their voices yeah I, I don't think it would be a good move I, I don't I don't think they should do it hey, you know that's that's an intelligent argument Fonte I can't really I can't really argue with that man I mean so I'm just going to tell you like R. Kelly tells it my mind's telling me no but my body's telling me yes <laughs> <laughs> I hate to keep it but is it based on Casey and JoJo's vocals is that is that is that yeah the thing? That's I mean it. yeah yes. it's okay. based on that. Right, I mean because okay. you got to think right. about it I mean even when Casey and JoJo now granted I was not the the biggest fan of the Casey and JoJo solo albums so, oh, I mean yeah. that not solo album but you know what I'm saying um mm-hmm. you know but I even those them. you know they had their voices and I thought I personally thought last night's letter was like a great song I thought that was really dope it, mm-hmm. it I, mm-hmm. I thought that was good like all my life, I never liked that song. I was glad to see they got a hit and they got some pop love, but I never really dug that song. Oh damn, I forgot all about that. That yeah. was their biggest song. Yeah, huge. that was they joined. Yeah, that was huge. Forgot yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Fonte. I wasn't a big fan of it, but I'm. I feel like you you sentimented that perfectly. <laughs> Bru- wasn't a big fan of that song, but you glad the fact that it they transcended just the regular R and B thing, and they had a hit that they can basically still make money. They can, you know. They could tour with that one song and still, they won't pack Wembley or anything, but they can still get some love. Yeah, yeah. Brothers still can pay their bills. And so that's always a good thing. But yeah, I think it's just really, I think because production, I mean, you know, that's just one thing where it's very much kind of ageless in a lot of ways. And well, I mean, can you sound dated as a producer? I mean, of course you can. But, you know, production is one of those things. Producers kind of have the, producers kind of have the, the, the luxury of, Y'all don't really, they don't really have to stand for anything, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? Like, if two rappers are beefing, if I'm the producer, I can do a track with both of them niggas. You know what I'm saying? And this, no one bats an eyelash. So producers kind of have that, they have that, you know, you can be, I won't say anonymity, but, you know, you can, they they can just listen to your music and they kind of separate you from it. Um, If you're the singer or the rapper, you know, you don't really have that. So if you are... If you are Devante and you have maybe, quote unquote, lost the step, you can bring in some new jacks to kind of help you get get it back. And it'll say produced by Devante and people will still fucking, you know, fucking scream, you know, just like what Timbo did with the cat. He got J-Rock now and the other dude he had before him, Danger Hands. You know what I'm saying? Like you can it can still be produced by Timbaland. You'll still win. But as a vocalist, if you just ain't got the goods, bruh. There's no way to hide. <laughs> There's no you know way to hide. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Actually, Casey's finest hour away from Jodeci was If You Think You're Lonely Now, the Bobby Womack cover on Jason's Lyric. Yeah, totally. And that was produced by M. Tume. It was M. Tume, yeah, he did that, yeah. But while we're on a Devante comeback, I would love for Devante to produce an album for Smoke E. Diglera. Man, look, look, man, look. 
Oh my God. Okay, I don't want to <laughs> add like another 30 fucking minutes to this podcast. Look, man. Look, man. That goddamn smoky. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, if, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, man, I want to. If he could just get his like social media and like his iTunes, whatever together. Jesus Christ, man. Like, oh, man. His record. I love that brother, man. Yeah. Love that dude. He's serious. Yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, to be quite honest with you, his stuff kind of scratches my itch for a new Jodeci album. I mean, it, it fills that void. It's like, okay, this is pretty much giving me what I would want from a Jodeci album in, you know, the 2000s. That pretty much gives me that fix. All right, let's go around the table. What is the greatest one-hit wonder of all time? Greatest one. I don't want to go first. Jesus Christ. The GOAT one-hit wonder. I thought it was not... I thought it was your personal favorite, not like... You know, well, yeah. Okay. What, what do you feel thing. personally is the greatest? Yeah. Yeah. And let's define greatest. Did it have to be biggest seller or most impactful? You know, what is it? Well, people have to have heard of it on, yeah. in mass. Uh, that's, a, that's a shout to Jahan, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a direct shout to Jahan, right? I, I get that. More than five people you gonna know, heard it. Right, right. And and they could have other songs, but they just just their one signature just like hit. Yeah. I I would say I would say the greatest one hit wonders of all time had to be Mildred and Patty J. Hill, the writers of Happy Birthday. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> They like them. Them hoes ain't right. Shit else after that. <laughs> but goddamn, if you if, if happy birthday, that's your first shit out the out the box. <laughs> They're the hard to leave music. Oh, bro, come oh, on, nigga. God. The heart, yo. They. Oh my god. Yeah, Mildred oh, and goodness. Mildred J and Patty Hill. Happy birthday, nigga. They wrote that shit in wow. 1893, nigga. That shit still got the block humming. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. It's done. It's done. Right. It's show is over. It's done. This has been the music snobs. <laughs> Episode 35 in the book. Yo, wow. Got the block coming every day, multiple times a day. Multiple, multiple on, times. Bro. All over the planet. And had, uh, and had other people do their own versions of it, and it right. still hasn't. The GOAT remake, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Stevie in July. 50. You got people all over still trying to do it, and they still can't trump there. That's classic. <laughs> See, I was about to say, as I told you earlier, you know, to me, but Fonte just killed it. <laughs> the song I have to stand on has to be Just Got Paid by Johnny Kim. You know what, dude? Yo, I'm mm. going to be all the way 100 with you. That was my original choice. Like, when when when, when Jahan, when, <laughs> right, I'm with yo, I right, swear right, to right. God, I swear to God, Jahan, he, he emailed me the question, and I swear to you on all that I love, brother, my first initial response was Just Got Paid by Johnny Kim. <laughs> like happy birthday there's not a place in this country maybe in the world that on friday that song is not played <laughs> bottom line it's being played and you somewhere. got generations after generations after, you could be at the club you could be anywhere you could be at the post office be like Dude, shit friday night right, is this, <laughs> i was i was telling my son rakim i was like you know telling him what we were doing he said oh so so what song says song just got paid by johnny kibbe he's like oh. i said so you know the song just got oh I love that song wow. you know, like, he's 60 saying. years old don't know nothing you know yeah I'm about to say he ain't never got paid but that song right for, the, for, for this generation and to not take it into the, like the 1890s where we're doing happy birthday or Chuck, right now seriously I did, Fonte that song to me may be 
And we'll talk about years from now because it's not like the song. There, there's not an end for this song. Nah, there's not. This yes, song was still our kids, kids, their kids, kids. And just the, the the sound of the song, Teddy Riley, just the whole, just it. It, it encompasses everything. And I don't even know. So you forget Johnny Kemp did something before that? You can't remember right. a damn thing he did right. after that? <laughs> that song is so huge. Not just in sales, just the impact of that song. I think to me, for my choice, that's and it. eternally, Johnny Kipp is in our minds with the the braid. The, he had the braids. No, and he, the had, he had a little half dread twist. Yeah, in yeah. the suit, dancing in the rain or whatever, out on the street, whatever he was doing. Well, you know the thing was Teddy. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy took him to amusement park before they recorded that. He spent a whole day in the amusement park to get him <laughs> to get him happy, to get him in the mood, and then wow. went straight to the recording studio right wow. after. Is that, that where the hay came from? That's, that's where hay. Teddy, like, look, I took him to amusement park. We spent all day there. This dude was in the best mood in his life. We went straight to the studio, and that all comes took out. Took a grown man to the amusement park. That's hilarious. That's it. You know, so yeah, I'm I, that. That's my choice. I'll pick, I'll pick one. My pick, my pick. One hit wonder is '93 till infinity. Souls of Mischief. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It in completely. It's like the Backpackers anthem. Yeah. And even though Midnight Marauders was released like a few weeks afterwards, '93 till infinity encapsulates that entire album, the vibe of that whole album into that one song. Mm-hmm. Nah, it does. Nah, it does. The roads, the melody, like, yeah, that, yeah. Damn, yeah. I never thought of it like that. Wow. It's a little cliche because I grew up in Oakland, but it's like it, it means just that much more, just a little bit more because that really is a song that captures Oakland. Right. That one song, they they don't have to have done any other record. To this day, the entire <laughs> reissue, the entire Adrian Young produced album, the fact that it even made headlines was because of 93 Till Infinity. Can I make a case for the loonies? Five on it? I, oh, yeah. I, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, they kind of came back, but I wasn't mad at the player haters joint. I wasn't mad at that one. Oh, okay. You know what? I slept. That's, that's right. That's okay. like okay, one and a half. They had the conversation. Now, I, now, one, I think you could make, if we're talking rap one hit wonders, I think probably a case has to be made for the East Flatbush Project, Try by 12. The, it's the, uh, it's the, you know, if you don't know the song, you know the beat. The Oh yeah, 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 like that was it. That was like the only jam they put out. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really it. <laughs> All right, who's up next? Uh, my pick is Deeper by Boss. Man, yo, let's talk How about. How did I know that? Let's talk about it. <laughs> How did I know that? Deeper and deeper. <laughs> How did I know that? That was my cut <laughs> oh. to the point where, cause remember it dropped and it dropped. I saw it on the box. Remember the box? Mm-hmm. And it was it got heavy rotation on the box or video jukebox or whatever because they changed the name of that like every two, three months yeah, they right. changed the name. But it was heavily rotated and I just was highly anticipating this album. Like I was, you know, first day it dropped, I was there. And, and really, the album is not bad. The album, the album is good. It wasn't bad. It had, it had like the coming to get you that joint because Eric Sermon did a couple joints on that record. That, that joint is hot. The second best joint on there was the the uh, Born Gangster track, okay, which was Born the Gang- second to me. Yeah, Born yeah, that was the second best. And track. I like the recipe for a hole. I wasn't mad at that one. Yeah, and that was actually the second single, yeah. I think. But nothing compared to Deeper. And see, the thing about Deeper, first of all, is Detroit rapper and Def Jeff, mm-hmm. and when she. When she, the, the, if you listen to the flow of that song, it's like she's having a conversation with you. Every now and then I start tripping and get to thinking on the deep tip beyond all that bull that I shoot at people. Yeah, I know what you mean. But after that I'm evil and I'm hip to every chick trying to get a grip and every wanna be back trying to stack. But Joe bumped that and I say bump that with my mighty middle finger. I'm heavy off and do this rap thing, fucking singers. Yo, I think I'm getting tense. Cause my dollars ain't making nobody sense. But then again, it's probably all that chronic that I smoked. I used to be like that when I was out just laying dope. And lately I've been flipping on some old paranoid. Like looking suckers up and down, trying to start. Cause I'm a 
her whole her rap is her style is like that throughout the album, but nothing captured it like Deeper does. She Tell the sounds story like, behind it though. She sounds like she's sitting with you like at a bus stop or something, just telling you some crazy stuff yeah, that went she's down. Storytelling. To the point that at the end of the song, she says, "I'll see you next week." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> like, and she captured really. She also captured the whole idea of the stress and the you know kind of like out of your mind very similar to what Tupac did um, mm-hmm. talking about how stressed you are just you know I can't deal with this and all she captured that beautifully you know what I'm saying it, it was it's just it, it was an amazing track I did I talked to Def Jeff uh, I think it was maybe I, was, I think I was trying to pitch a feature on her for uh, either King or XXL and I taught I ended up you know I was trying to track her down and I ended up I got it I, I talked to Def Jeff talked to him a couple times and this is when she was having health problems she is she needed yeah. a kidney i think she still does need a kidney and he was basically like man i'm gonna try to you know get her because she wants to get back in it but you know nothing ever came of that um but that's i mean that to me that's just a great great but great one that, I think it's important that you tell the story behind how the song got made because you're the one that told me about she went up to the record label and presented something and they said it wasn't hard enough and they had to go she had to go back because that the, the original sound that she came out with was mm-hmm. nothing like I that I didn't tell you that I thought you no, did no, okay, that's, maybe that's, I inter- that's, yeah. that's an interesting point no that wasn't she had to go back and do that because what she presented for her album the record label was not feeling because it was nothing like that they wanted something hard and she was like okay you want something hard that's what she returned she, with she wow. guessed it I think on an AMG huh. track I read online previously to that but I mean deeper and it's it's a hardcore it's a song hard hardcore song. but hard it's record. a with the there's with the com- with the impostafarian on it, like that was like back. Right, in right, 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 Everybody, right, right. you had to have the fucking reggae guy on the shit. Like that was <laughs> right. the greatest. I pr- I propose uh, the, for the next uh, one next roundtable, even if I'm out, the greatest impostafarian <laughs> tracks. I know. It's, I, I know you're about to say. I think the goat one has to be. If I may, and I think the goat impostafarian has to be. It's funky enough by the DOC. DOC, is the greatest. Yeah, I knew it. Rastafari, that son of a fuck. Hey, what? To the point where you thought he was. He was. He was like. He was like. He from Dallas. What you mean he from Dallas? He ain't from Dallas. <laughs> greatest impossible. Okay, hold on. Now you you can't drop DOC without me talking about him for a second. The the styles that he flipped on that album. Yeah. From that to the slow to the fat. I mean, it was like unbelievable. To the rock. Yeah. To the rock. rock. Yeah. Now I will say the rock. Now Everything. beautiful but deadly was horrible. That was like the only real. No, 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 no. Beautiful but no, deadly no, was no, terrible. No. I hated that fucking song. No, no. no. It was it was cosmic slop, and I was just like, we oh, you really didn't have to rap over that. But like we, whirlwind masterpiece, whirlwind pyramid, slow southern guitar joint. Yeah, I mean everything. I mean it was unbelievable to the to the portrait of portrait of masterpiece. But I'm saying to be able to spit like that, you know, whirlwind pyramid. Come on, whirlwind pyramid. Nah, yeah, portrait of a masterpiece, all them shit. But yeah, I agree with you. That fake Stefan. Yeah, that was that was unbelievable. But yeah, and and boss and deeper, it was there as well. She had like a conversational type flow, man. <laughs> what nigga? <laughs> nigga, you from Southfield? Get the fuck out of here with that <laughs> All right, Jay. Up next, Jahan. Okay. Well, my pick for greatest one-hit wonder of all time is emphasis on the word "hit." <laughs> all right, well, I'll have you know that this reached number two on the U.S. singles charts and number one on the U.S. dance chart. So you know it qualifies. Robbie Neville. Say la vie. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I ain't mad. Yes, sir. Ain't mad. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I ain't mad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nah, no, that's a good one. You know, maybe, maybe the greatest Jam and Lewis track ever, not done by Jam and Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said, I was like, he did it. I was like, what the hell? You put that right. together. Uh, this, stock, this stock went up even higher. <laughs> Yeah.
was in New Orleans when that song dropped, and my boy Sean called me from Kansas City. Like, this is like, you know, no cell phone, no nothing. <laughs> no internet. <laughs> no internet. We still using <laughs> phone. Signal. Like, I, my phone. He put my, a quarter in a pay phone. My phone, my phone was the one that was in the hallway or the dorm room type of thing. Like, Scoop, you got a call. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this is my boy calling me. <laughs> From Kansas hey, City put to the play. Phone, put the phone on top. Put on the top. Right, exactly, right, right, exactly. But he did that, and what it was, he called me to play this song to me over the phone that way. Over the phone. Like, dude, there's this song by this cat named Robbie Neville. <laughs> and he's thinking the Neville is from Aaron New Neville. Orleans. Uh-huh. So he's from DR. Who, who do you know? I was like, I don't know who this dude is. Ain't no. This is, <laughs> the Neville's got a big fan of it. He's not a part of it. No, he's a white guy. And he played this song for me, and I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. And I'll never forget. That's how that song just impacted, like, just me in general. And that's why I grew Jahan. That was huge. I don't think, look, I can't think of another song that somebody's called me long distance just to play over the phone. Say <laughs> wow. La Vie was ridiculous. It's just such a hype and happy tune, you know. It's, it's, like, it's like touchstone movie end credits type of tune. It's like, <laughs> um, it's like Carl Weathers action movie bar scene type tune. <laughs> <laughs> it will get you in a good mood. Like... You can be walking down the worst high street of all time, the most depressed area, but you feel like you're Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop, just arrived in Beverly Hills, walking past people wearing the thriller outfit. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it on your gym is it on your gym playlist, uh, Jay? You listen to it in the it gym. It is, and actually it's on my biggest white tunes of all time R and B playlist. <laughs> wow. 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 White the white chocolate playlist. Yeah. And one more thing, they performed it live on um, Top of the Pops back then. Well, I don't know if it was live, but they performed it on Top of the Pops. And there was this, there was this single female background vocalist. And she was wearing like a black ballet dress. And she would, like her movements were so exaggerated during the song. I mean, she was really going for it. She was going nuts. And I was just like drawn to her. That basically informed my view of women and desirability for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I've tried to reproduce that feeling over and over again. (laughs) That's what it got to be. There it is. Yeah, man. Yeah, say it. I remember that record. That was was dope record. Although I would say, I think the greatest, probably the greatest Jammin' Lewis, like, dude that never... Because you said that was like the greatest Jamie Lewis song that Jamie Lewis never did. Mm-hmm. I would think that honor or dishonor, depending on how you look at it, but I would say that honor would have to go to Nick Martinelli. <laughs> Call Mac and Right, right, right. <laughs> like, like, of loose ends. I mean, that shit was. Oh, oh man. That, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he, was, he was in <laughs> their bag heavy. He was in their bag hard. It, it was the 808 programming more than the chords for them, but yeah, yeah. I mean,. Jam and Lewis hated them, apparently. But what's funny is that Lucens were, they were looking up to Jam and Lewis. They were almost doing it as an audition to sort of say, hey, we want to work with you. But yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I'm surprised. I thought somebody's going to come with, I thought Jahan was going to come with some obscure like Tony Basil and Mickey. You're like, yeah, you can't argue with that because that it was just. Well, I've got obscure ones. I mean, I'll give you one obscure one, Scoop. I'm willing to bet that none of you know this. Okay. That does it, but but it's a hit though. Well, I think it was played regularly on Quiet Storm Radio in America. Okay, Gentle by Frederick. Oh, calling your name, come on, bro. I got that. There you go. I'll be gentle. <laughs> I'm calling <not> your name. <laughs> <laughs> that, got, that heavy vibrato on them holes, nigga. <laughs> calling your name. Uh, smooth in the motherfucker. Suede on the inside, candy paint, candy paint. I ain't gotta tell you what the rims look like. Look, I'm gripping wood like a motherfucker. This has been episode 37 of the Music Snobs podcast. We want to thank you for joining us, and we also would like to thank our guest snob. Tay, thank y'all, man. Yeah. Thank y'all having me. It was a lot of fun. I, we, we'll do it again. We'll, we'll have to do it again. I just, I, I will budget for sleep better. Um, getting up on the <laughs> but, um, but uh, nah, man, this is a lot of fun. I, I'll definitely be back. This was, this is. This is the kind of shit me and my boys do like all day, like just talking. Right, shit. there so, it is. Nah, I, I, I love it. it. Oh man, thank you, bro. Appreciate you, bro. You can find us online at themusicsnobs.com. Our show library streams on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash themusicsnobs. Our Twitter handle is at totalmusicsnobs. And we have show notes. 
We have a Flipboard magazine called The Music Snobs Episode Guide. Isaac say nothing. <laughs> I'll just, it gets longer every time. It's like, you keep adding shit. I'm like, what, what we got now? <laughs> Do I owe you money? I mean, what? what, what Flipboard you on your Android, Windows phone, or iOS device. Thanks very much. We'll see you next show. Uh, yeah.